We've talked a lot in this province about how we need to try and recruit people from the international healthcare worker pool to get them here. We've done a lot of things. There's initiative um, to recruit and to attract and to fast track. And it would seem that that is certainly paying off. We had a guest from the College of the Registered Nurses of Alberta joining us, telling us that so far in the first nine months of this year, 1,462 internationally educated nurses have applied to work in Alberta um, and 633 applications from other Canadian provinces and territories have been um, issued in the province of Alberta. So we're seeing a lot of recruitment from other places to try and help deal with the shortage of workers that we have in the province of Alberta. Great, right? We need it. We know we need it. Now, wait a minute. Um it's an ethical conversation that we're going to have here. Um, high immigration, especially in these high demand sectors like healthcare, um, we need to do it to meet our demands. But how much consideration needs to be given to the places that we're recruiting these workers from? What does it mean for the countries? Like, I don't know, pick a country, country X. And that's where we, we, we've come up with a partnership or we've come up with an agreement with that country to bring workers, nurses, say, to Canada. Okay, great. For Canada, what does it mean for country X? Um, and how do we choose those countries? There's actually international framework around this. We're going to get some insight uh, in our next conversation with Margaret Walton Roberts, who is a chair professor in geography and environmental studies at Wilfrid Laurier University. Uh, professor, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Hello, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it's a really fascinating conversation. Let's start by getting your assessment of the mess that we're in now and how we got here, because we sort of put ourselves here, right? I mean, in terms of planning for the situation, we all knew that we had uh, changing conditions and changing demographics, and we just didn't prepare for it, did we? That's correct. Yeah, we've definitely had um, a health workforce planning um, lapse in running up to the pandemic. And then, of course, the pandemic uh, just really leveraged that to make it such a terrible working conditions for many people. And so we've got a lot of people leaving. We've got a retention problem. We have a recruitment problem. And we haven't really been focusing and investing in training and educating health workers, you know, in within Canada. So that's something else that we've kind of dropped the ball on. Yeah, there, there's no question, and that's part of it. I mean, even taking a look at these numbers that came out for Alberta, you know, the smallest number in that bucket is locally produced and educated nurses in Alberta. So the education piece is something that we still need to try and tackle, right? We do, and we also need to tackle working conditions. And so health in Canada, as we know, is a provincially managed. And, you know, in many cases, like here in Ontario, where I'm from, the, the provincial government actually put a cap on wage increases. And so the working conditions are made um, to be less attractive. And if you are trained as a healthcare worker, you have a lot of opportunities. You know, we're talking about people coming from other countries to work here in Canada, but a lot of Canadian health professionals go elsewhere to work because they see those working conditions as better. I, I was speaking um, with uh, someone from the College of Registered Nurses of Alberta, and they were talking about the fact that, you know, the new 
fast tracking system in our province is actually picking up a lot of people who have been in Alberta for a while and are accredited in whatever country they immigrated from. It's just the process hasn't been good. That's another piece of this puzzle, right, is the fact that we have healthcare workers in Canada right now that have come here from other places that we can't get integrated quickly enough. Yeah, totally. That's correct. Yeah, we have a very active immigration policy, as we all know. But what we don't necessarily understand is what is the the kind of occupational background of those people who come to Canada? We know how people come in as skilled immigrants, but people come in as family members, people come in as refugee and asylum claimants, and we don't necessarily know what their occupational background is. And so we need to have a better insight to what are their backgrounds? Are they in areas of health? And then we need to be putting much more energy into a assisting them to bridge into those professions. We need to use those skills and not waste them because, as you said, they're already in the country. They've already made the decision to come to Canada or they're here for whatever reason. So we need to do a better job in utilizing those skills. Um, And the interesting part of this conversation, I think, goes to and I didn't know this, but there is, there's been work done. There's a global framework that's in place, uh, to make sure that this is done ethically, right? When we talk about, excuse me, the recruitment of healthcare workers from other parts of the, of the world, there, there's a framework, there's, there's rules that need to be followed to make sure it's done ethically, right? That's right, yeah. The WHO, the World Health Organization, in 2010 put forward a voluntary code to which all member states signed on to. And that voluntary code is really in the spirit of supporting health systems everywhere in the effort to reach universal health coverage. And the commitment is that when we recruit health workers, because, you know, globally there's only so many healthcare workers, we are looking at a shortage of about 10 million healthcare workers globally. When we kind of draw them from other places, we're just sort of moving around uh, those yeah. resources. So we need to be conscious of what our um, efforts do for other countries. And then the WHO also created what they call a um, safeguard list a support and safeguard list where they identified the countries that have the least ratio of healthcare workers to population and they encourage other member states not to actively recruit from those countries. But if they do, they ask that we um, make sure we have reciprocal benefit. So in if we're going to go to a country, say Nigeria, which is now on the safeguard list to recruit healthcare workers, they ask that we have some kind of a benefit where we say we'll recruit these healthcare workers, but we will offer something in return for what we're taking from you, something that will help you manage your healthcare system. And they also strongly recommend that countries like Canada come up with some kind of plan to create a sustainable system, right? Instead of just simply saying, oh, we'll just keep poaching from other countries. Exactly. And we were on, we were supposed to be en route to do that around, uh, I think by 2030, we need to be recognizing our ability to be self-sustainable in terms of healthcare professionals. And, um, well, we're not there yet. Yeah. And we still, at this point in time, in the wake of the pandemic effects, are actively recruiting overseas. Uh, there's all kinds of um, examples of that happening now. Yeah, I, I, and I'm wondering, you know, the numbers that I mentioned, 1,462 permits issued for internationally educated workers or nurses in Alberta in, in, in the last nine months. Um, are we following our own guidelines? Are, are we doing what we should be doing in terms of where we're drawing these workers from? Are we following these rules? Because obviously we are attracting people from other parts of the world. 
We are, and I think uh, we can clearly do better. But I do think the first thing is to, you know, to really invest in training healthcare workers here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing, as you said, is many of the, we already have active immigration and people are going to move. We can't, I don't think the WHO guideline is to stop that from happening. But what we need to do is recognize those skills and make sure we utilize them. So if those uh, 1,462 internationally educated nurses, if a good number of those people are already in province, then I think it's absolutely great that they've had their credentials recognized and they're going to be able to practice. So that's also great. That's something to be working towards. Yeah, and and it's a big process, but like you say, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, Margaret, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you being here with us.